Welcome to Trauma Queen, where we normalize talking about some pretty hard shit. I'm Jiminika Eborn, your certified trauma queen. I've been working with survivors of assault for over a decade. This season, we will be talking about sexual education. We will discuss how we deal with stressors that come up around our work, societal, personal traumas, and growth. What we've learned and how we have to navigate through our daily lives. And like always, the focus will be on our journey to healing and finding support. In each episode, I'll give three new resources directly related to the topics we cover. For years, I've seen survivors portrayed without their voices ever being really heard. This changes now. Let's heal together. Hey y'all, this is a quick content warning to let you know that we may be discussing some pretty hard things, or we may even bring up some pretty intense emotions. If this is affecting you, take a breath, take a walk, skip an episode, It's okay. Do whatever you need to do for you. We will be here whenever you're ready to come back. Support for this podcast is made possible by our sponsor, BetterHelp, and people just like you. If you'd like to contribute to supporting this work, you can do so by clicking the link in the podcast description. You can donate as little as 99 cents per month to keep us going strong. Every penny you send goes right back into making this resource accessible to the people who need it most. And if you want to show off your love for the show, check out our merch on www.traumaqueen.love. That's www.traumaqueen.love. So I don't know if y'all are ready to have this conversation with this magical ass human uh, that was from Chicago that is now being blessed in Las Vegas. Uh, because sun is great for everyone and especially for people named you. So can you tell us your name and your pronouns? I am Sunny Megatron. I use she, her pronouns, but I'll take a day them too. Oh, look at you. I love it. I love options. Mm-hmm. Um, and why do you think your story or perspective needs to be heard? You know, I think that everybody's story or perspective needs to be heard. Reason being, I've lived my entire life continually searching for people like me. I want to see myself represented in other people. And I don't often see that. And when I do, I soak it up like a dry sponge. I'm like, yes. So um, we all have something that resonates with people that maybe they haven't heard before. And I think I have, I think we all have some of those things, but I do too. Yeah. Um, And so we're just going to chit chat about, you know, that place and that thing that we both do, which would be sex ed. So how, did you get into this field? Oh, it's a really roundabout way that was kind of meant to be, I think. Um, so in college, I had taken human sexuality. I was a women's studies minor back when they called it women's studies. This is the late eighties, early nineties. And I took as much like human sexuality and whatnot that I could, but this was way before the internet. And I was like, I don't want to be a sex therapist. That's my only option. So, and then I'm like, I kind of like psychology. I don't want to be a psychologist. So I ended up getting into marketing. Um, <laughs> okay. Huh. Because I was like, it was mass psychology on more of a, you know, we're going to trick you into buying things. But uh, so I did that for 17 years and then I, I got laid off. And, you know, as those 17 years progressed in my private life, I'd read a lot about sex and sexuality and feminism and all sorts of things. And I had my two kids at the time and I became kind of like the, the childbirth educator amongst my friends, Mm -hmm. which I see a lot of parallels in sex ed. There's a lot of like 
shit that we're afraid of that nobody tells us. And then when you find, you're like, oh, that's the, oh, why didn't anybody tell me this stuff? And why is anybody <laughs> teaching me this stuff? And so during the recession of, um, what, 2008, nine, I got laid off from the job I thought I'd be doing until I retired. Like, I realized, don't be loyal to companies because they won't be loyal to you. Correct. And uh, I wouldn't have had the the ovaries to quit my job and go into business for myself. And that layoff, even though at the time it felt like the shittiest thing in the world, was the best thing that could have happened to me. That's great. I love mm. that. I mean, you know, because companies, zero, zero fucks. They're like, yeah. oh, you, we don't need you anymore. Goodbye. Mm-hmm. Um, and how did you figure out, like, what is your focus? Do you feel like you have a focus in sexuality and sex ed? Yeah, I, I feel like I focus on people who are like me. So people who uh, were socialized as women, because lo- there's a lot of that baggage that affects my sexuality. Mm-hmm. People who uh, have a propensity towards alternative sexuality. For me, it's BDSM, but, you know, also non-monogamy, things that are out of the, quote, norm. Mm-hmm. Um, and oftentimes, it's a lot of the people that are my, I'm talking about being my demographic, um, <laughs> my demographic, even though there are a lot of millennials uh, follow me and, and take my classes, a lot of people who are Gen Xers like myself, who went through a good portion of their life going with the status quo. And then for me, I hit my mid thirties and I was like, hold up, hold the fuck up. Something's <laughs> not right here. <laughs> Bring it back and one time. I, right. I had my rebirth. So, um, yeah, a lot of people that are in my position, probably because you gravitate to the people you see yourself reflected in. Mm, That's interesting. I know, I know for me, like I've learned a lot about like kink by like watching your show and listening to you. Cause I'm like, I'm still learning. Like there's different aspects, right? Like my focus is trauma, Mm -hmm. but I'm still learning so much that I'm like, Oh, and then there's this, you want what? No, I don't know her. What, what, what? (laughs) what saran wrap okay so it's not just for food cute okay like and there's so many different aspects of sex ed that I think people don't even like necessarily realize like they're like oh Mm -hmm. you teach sex ed like this is why I don't put that shit on dating apps like oh you teach sex ed will you teach me I'm like I can teach you about consent and fucking boundaries and how you don't know about those and they're like (laughs) what oh what I thought this was gonna be fun Mm -hmm. um When did you kind of start to realize how important sex ed was? I think I realized it way before I was doing it, probably back in college when I took my first human sexuality class and I was like, holy motherfucking job. And I look back now and I'm like, I didn't know shit about shit. I'm not even talking about sex. I'm talking about life. Like I was just, just a little baby. Um, But I knew back then like, oh, this is important. This is real important. And I think Mm -hmm. it was kind of... um, like peeling back the layers of an onion as I went through the different phases of my life, Mm -hmm. as I went through, you know, parenthood, as I went through going through an abusive relationship, as I went through even stuff with my mother, because no, that's not sex, but it's still boundaries, consent, relationships. Yeah. All of that stuff. So as I went through all of these, you know, traumatic milestones in my life, I realized how important sex ed was and how sex ed is so much more than just the mechanics of sex. I mean, yeah. (laughs) And then people like, I know if I talk about consent and boundaries and I'm like, you can talk about this with your parents. People are like, wait, what? My, my parents, like 
there's so much more than just the physical aspect of sex. But like, I, I feel like when people hear sex educator, they're like, they go directly to that one little minimal thing that they've learned or like that scene in Mean Girls where they're like, if you have sex, then you're going to die. And you're like, what? What's the fuck yeah. is happening? Mm-hmm. So what does a sex educator mean to you? Like, what does that even fucking mean? Is that a title? We're just like, this sounds cool. Oh, gosh, it's so much. You know, like you said, it's most people think it's like what you had in school. Like, these are fallopian tubes. And when a man really loves the one, like all the bullshit that they taught you in school. <laughs> and it's so much more. It really is about one learning about yourself, yeah. I think, is is big. Like, you can't go anywhere unless you start with yourself first. And then learning about relationships and how you relate to others and how you listen to others, receive, you know, information from others, give information. That's really what it's about. It doesn't matter what you're doing with your genitals or your body. It could be anything. You that's, you know, you can replace a, a blowjob with a, you know, a foot rub. It doesn't matter. It's how you're relating to the people and yourselves in your life. Yeah. Okay, now we get to talk fun. I'm going to say fun instead of talking shit. It's going to be fun. Okay. Okay. So where do you see, and we just had this conversation, Mm -hmm. where do you see the problems or what are the problems, in your opinion, within sex ed? Oh, there's so many. (laughs) (laughs) Where do I begin? Um, I think that... And I don't have an answer to this. So even though I'm going to be like, this is the problem, yeah. there isn't a good answer. Yeah. So I'm not going to pretend like I have an answer because anybody can call themselves a sex educator. Mm. You get, and I'm and, and I'm not advocating for like, we should all be served because I don't think that's the answer either. Like certification or this and that. I don't know what the answer is, but anybody can call themselves a sexuality educator, which is a great thing in one respect. Because mm-hmm. it, you know, the barriers to entry to this field are a lot less, and it allows people from lots of different perspectives and different backgrounds to be in this field. However, on the same token, you have to be a really, really good self educator. You have to know how to self teach. You have to also know how to teach others. Like, you know, you don't just go, I know stuff and I'm going to tell people. So I'm an educator. Um, there, there's an art. There's, there's, you know, the psychology of educating that I don't know how we all get that without suddenly going, we're going to regulate the field. That's not the answer. Um, so you get a lot of people thinking that their perspective is the only perspective mm. And it is human nature, not just in sex ed, it is human nature for people to not look outside their own bubbles and to to transplant their experiences onto everybody else. Well, if it happened for me like this, therefore everybody must be. And it takes a certain, I don't know, perspective, certain training. And again, not outside training, it could be self-training to try to break yourself out of that. And even... Those of us, yeah, I'm going to toot my horn and say, I think I'm good at not doing that. But I'm not perfect. Like, I live in my own bubble. There is a lot of shit that I don't see, even though I think I try to be diligent about being a good Mm self-learner. We all have blind spots. And I think that's fucking a lot of us, especially those of us who have bigger blind spots. Yeah. But I think even acknowledging that we have the blind spots 
is really important. And some people are like, um, so I've got this down. Like I had to have a conversation this morning with someone who also is an educator. See, they keep trying me, Sunny. Um, (laughs) But it's true, like acknowledging the blind spots. And also because one thing that I always say is you never know who's watching you, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's constantly like we can put shit on the Internet and someone can be like, well, you said this. And you're like, oh, well, this is not how I meant it. But it's the Internet. And however you put it out is how it's going to be read or interpreted in whoever's head. But I mean, I agree. There is no one way a sex educator looks, but being honest, like that mm-hmm. I don't know everything is really important. It's very important. And especially with, you know, in the field that we're in, there's a lot of activism. There's a lot of things that are changing. There's changing landscapes. And I look back on some things that I wrote even two, three years ago. And, you know, and God forbid the things I wrote seven or eight years ago. And I look at some of the language I used back then and I'm like, I cringe and I'm like, and we all need to realize that we're constantly learning. We're constantly evolving. We're going to fuck up or we're going to be in a place where we didn't know any better at that time. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people get really defensive about that instead of going like, Hey, we're all evolving. We're all learning we all look back at the five years ago, us and cringe, Hell yes. you know, and when we get really defensive about it, that does n- nobody any good. Just admit like, Hey, I, I, I didn't know that. Or, Hey, I just did something today that was wrong. And I said it. We're recording this season during the month of April, which is also sexual assault awareness month. I wanted to do something special for survivors this year, and upon speaking with Candace, one of the co-creators of the Kink Kit, I was really moved by the way that they allow people to connect with different levels of their sexuality. I curated every single thing in this kit. We really wanted to create a healing experience, and I couldn't have asked for a better partnership. This box was created to support survivors and their partners to find other ways to connect. This box will allow you and your partner to develop mindfulness connection around your sexual partnership, creating pleasure-positive rituals and loving communication strategies, all while having fun. There's a lot of shame around survivors having pleasure. Let's change that narrative today. You can get details on the kit, the games included, and the techniques you'll pick up, and more by visiting thekinkkit.com backslash queen. That's T-H-E-K-I-N-K-K-I-T dot C-O-M backslash Q-U-E-E-N. Yeah. So like acknowledging the fuck ups. Yeah. Is also being a part of being a sex educator. Again, like you said, what, five, six years ago, my ass was drunk dancing on tables. You wouldn't have wanted to learn (laughs) shit from me, (laughs) except maybe how to keep your balance. Like, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I look at a lot. It's interesting because I come from sex education from a very different place. I'm older. I'm 48. I had a near 20-year career in in a huge, like, you know, ad agency. I managed people. And I take a lot of what I learned not only about business but about managing people mm-hmm. into what I do now. I mean, that's that's my background. That's, that's a part of me. So, you know, when I used to manage people, I used to say, like, it isn't so much that you fucked up. Like if you're my employee and you fucked up, you are human. You are going to fuck up. If you fuck up everything, that's a whole conversation. <laughs> but, you know, every once in a while, you're going you're gonna to really screw something up. And it's how you handle it. It's not the fuck up. It's how you handle the fuck up. 
how you recover from it, how you work with the people that were, you know, now affected by your fuck up. That's what really counts. Not even so much the fuck up itself. Because we're all going to fuck up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it's, it's hard. I feel like within the last two years, this there has been such a, a big change within sex ed, which is amazing to see, especially for the more marginalized individuals. Um, there's been a, a bit of an uprising, especially uh-huh. of the POCs. And I'm like, yes, let's, let's see this. And people are angry and those back channel talks are real. Um, and we also know that there's back channel talks and we know what you're talking about. So that's yeah. cute also. Yeah. And I, and I think, and this is part of the conversation that, that we all had, you know, on my podcast, um, and, and I, there's no good way to say it, but it's, it's like the queer, liberal, white, pink pussy hat wearing folks are getting their shit called out. And it's not pretty. <laughs> it's not. It's, it's not pretty. It's, it's not, not at pretty, all. you know? And, and, and especially the, you know, kind of the crunchy granola tantra, like you're part of my tribe. And and I'm like, Oh, go just, just stop, just stop, stop. Yeah. And so there's a lot of that in sex ed and, you know, we're having a, I don't know, but I'll put it a nice way, a dance fight right now. We're having a snappy dance fight. Dance fight. Yeah. This is a teen movie. There's yeah, a we're having now. a snappy dance fight. So, you know, how it's all going to shake out? I don't know. Like you said, the, things are changing. The landscape is changing. The people in sex ed are changing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do, do you think you've ever had to, like, take your own stand for yourself within this field? Oh, God. Yeah. I mean recently in the conversation that we talked about, well, no. Okay. I'll, I'll even bring it back. I'll bring it back. And not even the recent thing. Um, along similar lines years ago, I used to work with a feminist, very well-known sex shop. And I used to physically come into their shop and I used to bring people and, you know, I do like a little spiel, like toys, da, 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 da. Uh, they buy shit, you know, sometimes they, you know, I'd walk in and within 15 minutes, they'd buy $1,200 worth of stuff. And this is a very crunchy granola, very well-known feminist sex toy chain. And they treated me like shit. And I would come in and I would get eye rolls. I would get the hand up to me. I would get, you know, and I, I'm like, what the fuck? And I finally was like, I can't work with you anymore. And to this day, I mean, that was seven, eight years ago. To this day, I refuse to work with them. And I don't know if it was just that particular store staff. I don't know what it was, but, you know, they had that our way, Mm -hmm. you know, the the feminist, crunchy granola, you have to be sex positive in this very narrow-minded way wasn't the way I did things. Did Mm -hmm. I walk in there and say anything that was untrue? No, absolutely not. You know, and I, I, I taught or, you know, and talk to the people I brought in into the store very much in the same manner, the same style that the employees of the store, but I got my eyes. I don't know. I don't know if I didn't fit. I, you know, I wasn't their type of feminist. I wasn't, I don't know what I wasn't, mm-hmm. but yeah, I will never work with that store again. And so I've, I've just learned to do that. It's not even so much like, Oh, you know, maybe I don't like some of your products. That won't get me to, to boycott you. How the fuck you treat me well. Yeah. I think yeah. that that's, that's important. 
in Mm -hmm. in any situation like i've definitely also had to walk away from jobs you're Mm -hmm. like this is cool and my money may be great but the way i'm feeling and like how i have to take care of myself at night that's not great like i'm not doing well there like mentally yeah yeah and i've i've learned to just also just you know not take jobs let's say that I'm just not feeling, you know, for one reason or another, even if it's, you know, they're treating me great. And I'm just like, you know what? Like lately writing has been wearing on me. Like I'm not going to cause myself stress writing more stuff. I'm burnt out on writing, you know? So I've just learned to, to accept or say no to things that I'm just not feeling for whatever reason. Do you think, do you think, which I already know your answer somewhat is going to be, do you think you've had to, deal with like more financial struggles because we've chosen this field of yes (laughs) oh my god yes okay so you know yeah I worked for a big ad agency and granted at the time this is a whole nother story but I was in an abusive relationship and with a a mother who was financially abusing me so I never saw any of the money I made Mm. um and I still was eating ramen however I knew at the end of the day, I had insurance, I had a 401k, I had the security to know that a paycheck was going to show up on the first and the 15th of every month, even if other people in my family were going to take it right out from under me. Um, Now, not only do I make significantly less, it's very unpredictable. You know, people think they look at me and they're like, you're a really successful high profile sexuality educator and you had a TV show. So you must be rolling in the dough. No, I've had years where I was on Medicaid. You know, I've had years where I was scraping by, where my kids went without, where I was like, holy fuck, how am I going to pay my rent? Yeah. And that's what people don't see. You know, they think like, oh, you look like your people on the internet like you. So you, you must be rolling in it. And I'm, it's hard. And if this work wasn't so emotionally validating, there's no way. Hmm. There's no way I would be doing this. I do it because I feel that it has a purpose in the world. I mean, I wish all the followers did, you know, create coins. Like, can I get a dollar a month from all my followers? Yeah. Then I'd be great. Oh, Mom, yeah. <laughs> just a dollar. Shit. If I had a dollar a month from every Twitter follower, I would be, <laughs> I would, I wouldn't be doing this job anymore. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be on a beach somewhere. I mean, more um, vacations. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think there's um, a connection between sex ed and therapy? Yes. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they go hand in hand. And I tell so many people that I work with, like, you need to go to, even if you think you're good, even think you're great. I'm good. I don't need therapy. You need therapy. Everybody (laughs) Everybody everybody needs therapy. Yeah. Everybody needs therapy. Um, And because like we said before, sex education isn't about the mechanics. It's how it's your relationship with yourself and then your relationship with other people. Mm -hmm. And those things always can benefit from therapy. Even therapists need therapists. That yes, they do. Something. That's yeah. very accurate. Yeah. Like we hold a lot of things for a lot of people and I don't think people realize that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know I just focus on trauma. So all I'm here, I'm hearing is sad things from folks and traumas, but also right. like people send you emails and things. And like, this is what I had to tell someone the other day. Like, can you just like not directly email me your trauma? Like, I had someone coded and like, you're so amazing. Here's all my traumas. And I was like, well, wait a minute. Like, yeah, that's hard. I get that all the time. And it's re- it's like you're bombarded. You know, it's like 
do to do. I'm just checking my email. You know, I'm just looking. I'm looking at my DMs on Twitter or whatever. And then it's like, I was sexually abused as a teen and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and I feel for these people, but I'm like, can I have some warning? Like, yeah. this is putting me in a place. Like, mm-hmm. it's a lot to hold people's raw emotional trauma and and just have it slapped upside your face and like without compensation you know like all the time it's, it's hard it's, yeah and it's not that I don't want to do it it's mm-hmm. it's just prep just, me loop me it, up yeah it ta- it takes a lot out of you emotionally it really does yeah do you think you have found any healing yourself within sex ed holy shit yeah you know just like a lot you hear a lot of teachers say like I learn as much from my students as they learn from me kind of and it's really true with every new situation I hear about with every you know new different person's perspective or every class I teach Mm -hmm. I not only learn things about my craft you know about the formal education but I'm, I'm continually learning about myself and my sexuality because people think I have it all together well, you know, you're the, and I hate it. I hate that, you know, for SEO, they call us sex experts. And I've even used the sexpert moniker because it is, it's good for, you know, people search that on the internet. <laughs> but do I feel comfortable with that? No, no, I'm a good, you know, facilitator of this stuff, but I'm, I'm not perfect. I'm always learning and I have my shit. I'm working through behind the scenes personally. And so when I'm working with other people. I'm learning about myself, see myself reflected through them and vice versa. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's really important also to like naming your shit. Yeah. Like, hey, there's these things I am also working on. I think it's great. And it does show like the role model aspect of it all. Mm-hmm. Um, for the, for those that are like, I want to be a sex educator. Tell me all the things. I'm sure you get these emails, but yeah. can you give like two just two tips and like ways to survive, like two tips on ways you've utilized things to survive. And also like just two tips for um, them coming in. Learn business. Seriously. Like you can be the best educator in the world. And if you don't have the business skills, you're not going to make money. You know, we're entrepreneurs. Um, and it's, you know, you, like I said, you can be the best at doing what you're doing. And if you can't at least get by, most of us aren't doing this for a hobby. Yeah. Maybe a second job for a lot of us, Mm -hmm. but we need to make it financially worth it in some way, shape or form. So, and I think that's a lot of, you know, what people overlook Mm -hmm. is the business side of it. That's fucking real. Mm Mm-hmm. So how have yeah. you survived? Like two, a few tips on how you've survived. Oh, fuck me. I mean, <laughs> if I were on my own, yeah, I'm a mom, you know, so I have two kids. I have a lot of expenses. You know, it's not like I'm a single person living in a studio apartment. It'd be a hell of a lot easier if I was. Um, but, you know, my partner brings in money. Granted, he's a sexuality educator, too. So, like, sometimes we're like, oh, fuck, man. Um <laughs> But I, I do side jobs, which a lot of people don't realize, you know, mm-hmm. I, for a long time, I was in the touring business, like I did um, history tours and sex, sex tours, like I'd take people to, you know, different places. Um, so I'd make money doing that. I would, um, I've done phone sex, I do ghostwriting, I do, you know, some behind the scenes things in like movie and TV production, like, like people don't see and I don't talk about because 
could I make a hundred percent of my money doing sex ed only? No, even me, even with the TV show, that was one season didn't last long. I got married, went on vacation and went, woo, I'm going to buy like some real corningware dishes. And then I was broke. Like <laughs> that's how long that lasted, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's real. Mm-hmm. That's so fucking real. Well, thank you for being so so honest and open and sharing with us today. I really appreciate it. Um, I just genuinely just love you in general. Just generally Aww. in general. Um, I love you too. <laughs> before <laughs> I kick you off my goddamn Skype, um, <laughs> uh, can you tell us where to find you, how people can throw coins at you, maybe give you a dollar a month? Like how how do they do these things to support you? Okay, cool. Um, so the, the place that I've been devoting most of my time lately, and also just like side note right now, I have a whole nother job I'm caretaking for my 91 year old uncle. Mm -hmm. So that's a whole nother full-time job I've been doing lately. Um, so our podcast, American sex is where I've been devoting a lot of my time. So American sex podcast.com. And, uh, we have a Patreon that's, that's under the umbrella of the podcast, which is patreon.com slash American sex. And I'm just Sunny Megatron everywhere. So like Instagram, Twitter, SunnyMegatron.com, all that stuff. So, yeah. Yay. Well, it's always lovely to speak with you. And I'm so glad you were able to share the process because it's so fucking real. You can have a TV show and then still have to have 5,000 jobs. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And still still just scrape by and still be like, oh, great. I qualify for Medicaid this year so I can get a mammogram for the first time in my life. Mm. Like, you know, yes, it's the struggle is really real. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you all for listening and uh, stay tuned for more episodes this season. Sunny's podcast, American Sex Podcast, takes a deep but humorous look at unconventional sexual expression in the United States, featuring an electric mix of guests ranging from former Surgeon General to a man happily married to a sex doll. Each episode is enlightening, entertaining, and hilarious. Hosts Sunny Megatron and Kevin Melvoinberg are acclaimed international recognized sexuality educators. They're approachable, authentic, and their lighthearted on-air chemistry is second to none. Our next resource is Sexabled, which can be found at sexabledwithrobindwb.com. That's S-E-X-A-B-L-E-D-W-I-T-H-R-O-B-I-N-W-B.com. The Sexabled mission is to create dialogue and educate others about discovering and embracing their sexuality, regardless of abilities. Robin would like to teach the world to see that a closed mind is the only limiting factor to safe, sane, consensual, and adaptive, enjoyable sex. And our third resource today is titled Playing Well with Others. This book is your field guide to discovering, exploring, and navigating the kink, leather, and BDSM communities created by Lee Harrington and Melina Williams. While there's plenty of other books out there that explain how to give a spanking or tie a half hitch, that sounds dope, Playing Wells with Others is the first book that explains kink culture. The munches, the parties, the leather bars, conferences, workshops, fetish nights, and all other gatherings of kinksters that turn BDSM and leather into a bedroom predilection to a lifestyle and community. And a resource I'm going to talk about every episode is our sponsor, BetterHelp. BetterHelp is a platform that connects you with a personal online therapist. They have hundreds of licensed therapists you can connect with within 24 hours. 
Cognitive therapy has been proven to be the leading, most effective treatment for PTSD, anxiety, and childhood trauma. I always, of course, recommend first seeking an in-person therapist, especially in crisis situations. But online therapy is also a fantastic option, especially if you live in an area where you don't have access to a therapist with the Black experience, the queer experience, or they're just downright too pricey. With BetterHelp, you can filter to find exactly what kind of therapist you'd like. And if it doesn't feel right with that person, you can be matched with a brand new counselor within 24 hours. You can video chat, talk on the phone, do in-app messaging, and it's available on desktop or mobile. Go to betterhelp.com backslash queen to find your personal counselor for as low as $35 a week. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com backslash Q-U-E-E-N. Thank you so much for listening. This season has been so special to record. And of course, I have to give a shout out to all the people who made this possible. You can find us all on Instagram. Podcast artwork by Zoe Loves, Z-O-I-E-L-O-V-E-S. Produced by Boy God King, B-O-Y-G-O-D-K-I-N-G. And me, I'm your host, Jiminika. That's J-I-M-A-N-E-K-I-N-G. I A.